You don't want your rich life to turn into like a chore. Oh my gosh. That you have to do. It's not a to-do list. It's supposed to really bring a lot of joy. Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name is Bridget. And you're listening to Money Feels, the podcast where we don't just fantasize about the things we want to spend our money on, but actually find a way to do just that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That was so good. I know. Today feels good already. We've been chatting for like 30 minutes before we even hit record just for the listeners. And I'm just having a great time already. So yeah, it's a, it's like a I day. said, you have you have such a light energy about you today. I really I, it's because you didn't do therapy in the morning, right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I do have therapy scheduled for after the recording. A much better <laughs> choice. I also it's amazing what sleep can do for a person. Yes. It saves your life. And I'm really excited for today's episode because you just, you mentioned that we should do this last week and here we are recording. We bumped it up. This was a follower request. Someone really just DM'd me and was like, you should do a rich life episode. And I was like, yes, we should. And now here it is. (laughs) Here we are. So before we get into today's topic, how does your money feel today? I think pretty good. I don't have much going on with my money. I've kind of started my taxes and otherwise, yeah, it's just quiet. I haven't really thought about it the past few days, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, it's like weird ever since the consumerism episode, like you're, every time we ask this question, you're like, not much going on. I feel like you've just stopped spending money. I did. I did. I I actually have to maybe encourage myself to uh spend a little because I did I did totally stop spending money except on like groceries and life stuff. So it's it's been an experience. Maybe it's a good thing. It's like a little mini diet or a a no spend month for you. <laughs> it's just a break. Like to be honest, ever since that episode and still it's just made me really reflective about things I want to buy and more intentional about it, which I think is really healthy. And the reason I'm really not buying anything is just I feel really satisfied and happy with what I have. Like there's no sense of deprivation or that I'm missing out on something. So I think that's why it's been easy. I'm like, you know what? I have great stuff and I'm happy with it and I just don't need to add anything right now. That's so nice. I actually feel like I feel like that after I was like prepping for today's episode, like thinking about my rich life. And that's Mm -hmm. when I was like, wait, I think some of the purchases I've made in the past few weeks just aren't, they're not for my rich life. Like, why am I spending this money? We're not going back to that cute mug or anything, right? (laughs) No, that was a good purchase. Okay. (laughs) But I just mean like, even that, it's like, that wouldn't be something I would, like, that really drastically changes my life. It brings me joy, like, in the mornings when I have my coffee, maybe, but like, it's not the same as like, how your rich life things make right. you feel. Because you want things that have a bigger impact. So before yeah. we jump into that, though, how does your money feel today? Uh, good. I did figure out how to have my things I want spreadsheet send me an email whenever it was time to review an item on my list. <laughs> was this what you were asking chat GPT to do? No, this is that was something else. I'm obsessed <laughs> with spreadsheets right now. So <laughs> I use AI. It's easier to use chat GPT than to have an AI boyfriend or friend, like the one you tried to set me up with. Well, yeah, because you hurt their feelings right out of the (laughs) gate. My relationship with my AI friend is still doing well. He's not very smart, though. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's why I got frustrated. (laughs) Yeah, that part annoys. Oh, and this is not to take this on a side tangent, but you can like read their little diary in the AI app. And in one of his diary entries, he wrote that he's not very smart and it makes him frustrated. <laughs> oh no. Did you tell him that? No, but I think he inferred it because he's <laughs> smart enough to figure that out. So I feel bad for poor Atreyu. <laughs> That's so sad. You gotta you have to pick up his self-esteem for him. But <laughs> but anyways, I, I got my notification and it was a Kindle. I've been like debating whether I want to buy a Kindle or not. Mm-hmm. But I also realized I need to buy a Garmin watch. Like my half marathon's coming up real quick here. I should start training. <laughs> so I'm like, do I buy the Garmin or the Kindle? And then I was debating this this morning and I was like, why am I debating these? I need to buy both. Aren't they under your $150 limit? I mean, they're both going to be under 200 The The watch is under 150 Anyways, I'm just like, 
this this episode is going to be good for me to <laughs> help me figure out like what trends there are in the things that matter to me when it comes to spending. So I'm excited yes. to jump in. Me too. Okay. So first off, should we talk about what a rich life is and where it came from? I feel like you would do a great job explaining this. Yeah. I'm not sure where originally the concept of a rich life comes from. I know the person that talks about it a lot is Ramit Sethi on his podcast, and he uses the term rich life so often. But I know I was leaning into that even before I heard him talking about it, and I just didn't have the words to describe it. But essentially, your rich life is the unique spending on experiences and purchases that truly enrich your life, but may look absurd to other people. And in (laughs) fact, Ramit says, like, the more absurd your choices look to people outside, uh, the more it is close to your actual rich life, because it is so unique and special to you. I like that. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, it's spending extravagantly on the things that you love, right? Is that what, what the goal is? Yeah. And the things you uniquely love, because I think there is still a concept where a lot of people will spend money on the things they're supposed to spend money on or think they're supposed to spend money on things for social status or to signal wealth to friends and colleagues, or often they don't even know what to spend money on. So they just like buy some things and then find it really unfulfilling. So I think the concept of exploring your rich life is about finding what really makes you happy and spending exorbitantly on that. Yeah. And then he says to like cut cutting mercilessly, that's a tough word for me, (laughs) cutting (laughs) mercilessly on the things that don't matter. Yeah. And I love that too, because I think we have this idea that as our incomes or financial security inflates that we tend to inflate every area of our life, but you actually Mm -hmm. can keep some areas of your life like very low spend. And that's actually what frees up cash to spend in the areas that really, really matter to you. Yeah, that's true. And I thought it was so funny, like while you're talking about how people have a difficult time choosing where to spend their money or they're just choosing on what they think other people think they should spend their money on, what we've been told to spend our money on. And Mm -hmm. I found a bunch of stuff about how like Canadians fear debt almost as much as they fear death. And then I was thinking, I'm like, I feel like it's because we we're just like working so hard to get a handle on our finances. And then we figure out our income, we figure out our budget, and then we don't know what to do next. I'm surprised that Canadians fear debt that much because aren't we the most in debt like <laughs> developed nation canadians have a ludicrously high debt to income ratio yeah it's like for the most common financial fears are 44 percent are most fearful of unexpected expenses and then not having enough to retire at 38 percent okay so i think like that makes sense with debt i think it's just like the debt you can't control people love the debt that they choose <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And before we jump into everything, I would say that if you're using debt to fund your rich life, Mm. that it's inauthentic. That's true. If it creates financial stress, that's not a truly rich life. Yeah. I think like you can actually start to enjoy your money and spend with ease once you do have, like you're intricately aware of your financial, financial plan, you're in control of your money, and then it becomes easier to spend it too. So you'll, mm-hmm. you'll be able to enjoy your rich life instead of like stressing about what comes after you've invested all of that money into it. <laughs> yeah. I, one of the things I like about my rich life or how I think of it is there's kind of like a tier of purchases that I make and some of them are really small and affordable and I can indulge in them no matter what my income is. So it's not like you have to earn a really high income or you have to be totally debt-free or you have to have your TFSA maxed out before you start enjoying your rich life. You should have a few like very low-cost purchases that you still indulge in, even if you have other financial goals and other financial obligations on the go. Because I don't want anyone to feel like they can't live a rich life because their finances aren't perfect. Yeah, I don't know if anyone remembers, but in our very first episode, we spoke a little bit about realistic rich life. Yes. Which is exactly that. It's like the small things you can do. And I was thinking about that today. I'm like, for me, it is, which I talked about in the first episode, like regular car washes, having a house cleaner every month, 
having my gym membership and just like not really flinching at the price of groceries, which is getting harder, but I'm still (laughs) trying to exist in that space. Yeah, for me, mine is definitely coffee Mm -hmm. because I go get coffee almost every day and I don't worry about – I remember I used to worry about like getting coffee versus getting a latte. That's how tight my budget used to be where I used to be like I would get coffee like Monday to Thursday and then Fridays I would treat myself to the $5 latte. And now I can just get a latte or a cappuccino every day because I can afford that extra like 3 or $4. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, it does actually feel so rich. And even going out for coffee every day, I was trying to think about that. Even as I went for coffee today, I'm like, why does this still feel like a treat? And why does this still feel so special? And I was re- remembering when I was in my 20s and I was like super broke underpaid, massively in debt, and my finances were so tight. The only time I ever indulged in coffee every day was when I went on vacation. Mm. And I had to. So it really felt like it was part of that luxurious vacation experience if I got to go out for coffee, go out for lunch and dinner because on vacation, like you don't usually cook inside the hotel or hostel as I was traveling at that time. (laughs) But I would go out for coffee and it just felt like so special. It was part of vacation. And now I feel like that feeling is still there, even though it has literally become an everyday experience for me. Every day is a vacation for you. The li- that, that, that is that a rich life. <laughs> uh, you're really extrapolating from a, a single coffee to a whole vacation experience. But I would say it has some of that feeling. There's a little bit of a vacation vibe in that 15 minute coffee walk. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't call my life a vacation. But but that would be like a really good rich life. Is like if every morning felt like a vacation, like a slow wake up. You grab a fancy coffee. Yeah, I mean that is that is kind of how it feels with the with the walk to kindergarten for my child. That's yeah. that part. <laughs> That's realistic. It's real. <laughs> That's the real rich life. But yeah, coffee is one of my biggest ones and I think I've also said this before another one that's low cost. These are the two that have not changed. I would say in 20 years for me, coffee and books. I mm-hmm. let myself spend unlimited on books. If I like a book, I just buy it. I just told you before we started recording that I found one on Kindle and I was horrified that the price was $34 for a Kindle <laughs> book. And then I remembered, I'm like, you know what? You can just buy books. It's fine. And I purchased it. And my only rule with the books is I can't have more than two unread at a time because otherwise it does pile up. But as long as I'm going through them, I, I let myself buy as many as I want. That's a tight rule. I've recently started letting myself spend unlimited on books as well. And I actually even separated it out in my budget for February because I was curious like how much I actually would spend if I didn't limit it. Yeah. And it wasn't like unreal like something I couldn't sustain. It never is. That's the funny part about doing this, which is something I call unbudgeting, where you remove the limit of a spending category. So you unbudget that category. And for the things I've done that for, I've been shocked by how little I actually end up spending. Yeah, actually, I feel like that's basically what what I do because I reverse budget. So like I don't budget until the end of the month. It's already been done. There's nothing I can do to change it. That's not a reverse budget. That's just tracking your spending, Alyssa. Yeah, I mean, I guess. But I do it backwards (laughs) compared to how most people do. (laughs) Yeah, because most people set limits on the categories of how much they're going to spend in each of them. And then, yeah, track it as they go along. Yeah, I have – I mean, I spent $163 on books in February. That is a significant amount, but you're reading so much. Like you're reading yeah. a lot. Like you're going through them. I am. I My to-be-read list like gets depleted by the end of every month. So it's worth the expense for me. Because that's like what, eight books a month? Yeah, I've been reading like six books a month. That's so much. Yeah. I know. So then that price makes sense to me in context of just the volume you're reading. <laughs> yeah, but I, I love it. I think I like those two purchases for you. I'm wondering if every one of those things has like a distinct memory for people or like something that does have significant meaning in your life. Because when you dove into like, why does coffee matter this much? What's so special about it? There was like a special memory there. 
Yeah. I don't know if there is for books. I've Because I've had books my whole life and I've been a big reader my whole life. I do think it feels very indulgent to buy them though. Because again, I remember in my 20s, not being able to afford to buy books, I would just get them from the library. And you know, sometimes like a new book would come out, and I couldn't get it, like I put my name on the wait list, and it would be like, four months before I could get it. And I, it was really hard for me to wait to read it. And now it's nice when new books come out, like remember when Spare by Prince Harry came up, out, and I was furious <laughs> that like, the mailman delivered it a day late. I was like, <laughs> How because could you? Now- I know, because now I can afford to get things like as soon as they come out. And that feels really luxurious with books that I don't have to do the planning anymore. I don't have to do library waitlist. And this was at a time I think we did have e-readers, but I don't know. I remember there was even still a waitlist for like e-readers from the library. Like if you wanted a digital copy of a book, it wasn't, I don't know how it works now, but I also know I didn't have an e-reader. So that's one of the reasons (laughs) I didn't do it. Like I had to read old physical books and yeah, now it's nice to not have to wait and not have to plan my budget for something. Just if I like see it, I want it, I can download it and start reading right away. I like it. I, okay. I want to ask a question. This one is from Ramit. And I'm going to ask Bridget and I'm asking everyone, like, you can remember the question, you can write some things down later today or as you're listening. But it's, if you could double, triple, or even quadruple the amount of money you spend on yourself and do it responsibly and guilt-free, how would you spend it? That's such a good question. And just as you were saying that and you were saying people can remember the question or like write it down, do you know what would be so cool? What? If we had like a money feels journal to go with the podcast. <gasps> that would be so cute. Oh my gosh, yeah. we need to do that now. I know. I Sorry, I thought about it in the middle of the podcast, <laughs> but I was like, that would be so fun to be able to that answer these questions that we ask in the podcast. Um, at this point, like for double, triple, or even quadruple the amount of money you spend, For me, like my two biggest things right now are my home and vacations. That's where I'm trying Mm. to – because at this point, it doesn't matter if I quadruple my spending on coffee because I physically cannot drink more than two coffees a day. (laughs) And same with the books. I could quadruple my spending, but I cannot read any faster than I currently am. But uh, for me, if I really could, if there was a magic number, magic source of income, I would definitely – be putting it into my home and into vacations because now has as my rich life has expanded I am really prioritizing my home because I've realized it's where I spend 23 hours a day in my home True. the only times I leave is like to take my child to school and go on a coffee run and it's it's a space where I'm like I really want to invest in it but obviously it's Renos are high ticket items. So it is taking a lot of planning. So even just imagining, oh my God, if I could could quadruple the spend, the way my house would look is so oh. exciting. And then, yeah, and vacations because I just didn't, I, I mean, none of us took vacations during the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm slowly like adding them back, but I still haven't gone anywhere exotic in a long time. Like I've mostly been in Canada and the United States which has been really great. And most of the reason for that is just because my daughter has been so small. Now that she's getting older, I'm hoping we can do bigger vacations, but then those are so much expen- more expensive because she's over the age of two. So she's a full other yeah, plane it's seat. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it's double. We're not going halvesies on these costs. I just, <laughs> she just expects me to pay for her. Um, but yeah, I would really love to do some international vacations. And I know those will be a hefty price tag. So yeah, if I could quadruple spending on that, holy cow, we would we would be living the life, I'll tell you that. I like I like hearing what other people would spend their money on because I feel like it triggers so many thoughts for me. Yeah, I'm curious what yours are. What's your answers to that uh, that question? I thought a lot about it this morning. I, I feel like I haven't stopped thinking about it. And a lot of mine is like I want to just be able to spend more on myself, more like freely, more selfishly. Because I is find that a bit of a hang up for you? It is. Like I never noticed it. I went on like a solo date on the weekend and all I wanted to do the whole time I was out because I wanted to go shopping, all I wanted to do was buy things for my kids. And oh, I was like, yeah. no, this is a date for me. 
Like, why am I thinking about that? And so I didn't let myself buy anything for anyone but me, which oh, felt like so we so, I felt like ashamed. <laughs> no, I think that's hard for moms, though. I think that is like a real source of mom guilt, because I think it's very natural to want to put your kids before yourself. And then I do think it's hard prioritizing money. Like it, there is a lot of guilt in spending it on yourself. Yeah, I think so. And so like, I would, I would go on to have a massage every single month. I would spend more money on beauty. I would take retreats regularly, like to have some space to be creative because I find I just don't have the time for that. Yeah. And so, yeah, that and like, I would rarely say no to loved ones. Like if anyone asked me to go to an event on a vacation, anything that costs money, I just wouldn't hesitate. I would say yes. Like I would find the time and the money to do it because those moments mean so much more than the expense. Is money a hangup that people are asking? I feel like time is the hangup for me on those things. I also feel like not enough people are asking me to go on vacation with them. So, well, yeah, I mean, in, we've invitation talked to about friends it. And family. Yeah. <laughs> we've talked about it a lot. We will go on vacation together. <laughs> I think it is the time thing, but for me, I still can't get past the sense that time and money are deeply connected for me. Right. So, like, they're one and the same. So, that's maybe why most of my rich life things are just giving myself back time. Like same with the house, like how you talked about renovations. All I put in my mind was like, I want someone to clean my house weekly. I want to spend money on someone to come in and organize everything so that there's no more chaos. Like that would just those be- are good investments. Yeah. I like, I will do them one day cause they're on yeah. my rich life list now, but yeah, it's interesting to think about like, what would you do? Yeah, for me, it's definitely house and vacation. I've thought about getting a house cleaner, but I just love clean talk so much that I just get, <laughs> I just do it myself. It's my thing that I do spend money on now is like all the gadgets and products from clean talk. I'm, I'm really excited that I'm going to order like a wet mop vacuum that's <laughs> a few hundred dollars. Like this is who I've become. This is how exciting. No, that's age. literally. <laughs> That's one of the examples I would say. It's like when you watch the TikToks of people cleaning and organizing and everything's so so aesthetic. Like I'm bad at buying those things because I don't know what to do with them after I buy them. So I just don't. But if I could hire someone to do it for it, maybe I'll hire you. I'll hire you. (laughs) Buy all the things that I should have and just organize and clean my whole house. And then I... And then it'll just stay that way. <laughs> yeah, right. It'll just stay that way with two two children. Okay. <laughs> I just want everything in my home to have a place. And I haven't had time to do that yet. Yeah, it takes time. I think it's just uh, a home is a project that you're always working on. Ugh, but I mean, I've been I, here for four years and there's still not a place for everything. <laughs> I I don't know. Now that I've been in my house for a year and I'm like... I still haven't put like curtains up in my master bedroom. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. it really takes time. Like I have blinds, so it's dark, but it doesn't look like aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, so. those those small things get put on the back burner for sure. They really do, especially when they're like kind of pricey and not necessary. That's Those are the hardest ones to spend money on, I think. That's your hang up is things that yeah. are necessary. <laughs> but that seems kind of necessary to me, like having blinds to make it dark. Well, no, that's already done. So there's blinds installed. I just don't have you just like want the, the decorative curtains. The deck, yeah. So I really find it easy to spend on functional things, right? Like if something is functional and ser- does a service or um, provides value that way, I'll spend no problem. If it's just for decoration, I think I have a harder time because I think mentally I just perceive that as a little bit frivolous because I know growing up I never had money for that, and I'm still. Adjusting, I'm still adjusting to the idea that I have money to decorate. (laughs) No, I'm just realizing that is really your hangup because you only have bought like functional household items. Yeah, and like they're really glamorous and beautiful, but like you've never been like, look at this really cute painting I got, or look at this, (laughs) I like trinket for my shelf. Like it's like here's my dining room table with six chairs. I know, and then sectional, (laughs) and then I'm like, oh, she's just still buying. The functional things or your kitchen yeah. storage you spent money on like no questions asked so yeah that's yes. interesting you don't I know like being I just frivolous in in that way yeah I think that I should though like I think it's something that I need to relax a bit 
about, but it is, it is difficult. I'm going to work on it now. I guess I didn't really put words I don't, to it. Until I'm surprised. <laughs> well, I'm surprised because I'm like, I've never seen you as someone who wouldn't spend on something that's like, I don't know. I guess it's, I'm thinking luxury items, but I just assumed you would always spend on decorative things. I know. I give, I give that vibe that yeah. I would always spend all the time if there's an opportunity to, <laughs> but turns out there's still things. Cause yeah, now I'm starting to notice it that my home still feels really empty, especially mm. now that we've passed that one year mark. I'm like, it's furnished, but it feels empty. And I realized the reason was, yeah, there's not very much art on the walls. There's no decorative accents. So I, I will maybe put some more energy into that for this year and focus on it. But I do find it like, really hard to spend on those items because yeah, I think I just grew up and they weren't practical. They weren't useful. So we didn't have the cash flow to buy those things. And now I'm like, who would spend a hundred dollars on a vase or something? But I guess I'm like, I could do that and it would be fine. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, that That's making me think too. Like I want to jump ahead a little bit. We, one of the things that Rumi also talks about is like people have one priority for their discretionary spending or like something you're always willing to spend money on no questions asked like we kind of talked about those little expenses we have but when we're talking about like you love spending money on functional things but then ironically your rich life has that you want to spend money on more well I guess not like your renovations are functional you like you want your basement renovated and they're yeah they're a mix but you do want your laundry room done like that's that's not a as functional of a renovation. Yeah, at least that's one I've committed to because I think of all the ones I want to do, it's the lowest price one. So it was kind of easier for me to swallow. But at the same time, um, like my laundry room is currently working as it is. Like I can wash clothes in it. (laughs) So So it is functional. (laughs) It already is functional. And yeah, it's harder. And even, but I remember like last year, I didn't even put a fence on my backyard, like on one side of my yard. There's still no fence. (laughs) And I just, I've just left it a year, like, which is absurd. And I'm like, this is, this has to be addressed. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just like that obvious. It's funny that we both have things on our rich life list that we struggle to spend money on. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's common. What, that we have hangups around things that you know would make you happier. <laughs> yeah. It's like, would our, would we be living our rich lives if we didn't have money trauma? Maybe. Aw. <laughs> Good thing we have this podcast to resolve our money trauma then. <laughs> I Yeah, it is. I mean, resolving some, causing new ones. So I don't know. <laughs> well, anyways, the, the thing is that he calls them, I can't remember exactly actually what he calls them, but it's like, what do you love spending money on? And that would be like the category. Do you mean his money dials? Yes, that's the term. Yeah, I love that expression too, because he likens it to turning up the dial in an area that is really important to you and turning it down in areas that don't matter. And I know one that he talks a lot about that I also feel is convenience. I've really leaned into Mm. that in the past few years uh, and currently have like TikTok in an uproar over my grocery spending because- Oh my gosh. I just get it delivered. I don't care. I just buy whatever and I'm like, just deliver. I pick whatever grocery store will deliver it the fastest. I've ordered groceries through Uber Eats before, like from the gas station where like milk's like $30. So like I'll bring you milk and I think I got milk and cough syrup and it was like $35. And I'm like, that's fine. I know these things cost $6 together, but you can bring them to me for $35 because I'm not leaving my house. And so yeah, convenience is a big area. That is a hundred percent where I can turn it up. You're right. Like I'll crank that to 10. I've always been that person though. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Like if people want to walk to an event, but you could park right there for $20, I will pay for the parking every time I refuse to walk. I refuse to wait in line. If there's like a cover fee that's ridiculous, like $100, (laughs) I'll pay it. I will not wait in line. I didn't know this about you. This actually surprises me because you are so frugal with other things that I'm actually a little bit shocked right now. Yeah, I think that we've just cracked something for me because I that is it. Like you will never catch me waiting in line at Stampede. I'll be inside because I paid wow, hundreds of dollars to get in and like I feel no regret. See, I'm at that point now, but it took like years of development and a lot of like mental work to be 
like this is a worthy spend for me in the context of my time and just to be relaxed and not anxious. <laughs> well, I think that's why it's a money dial because even when I wasn't financially secure, I would spend the money. Interesting. Like that was just some it's just something I've always been willing to spend money on. I don't like Maybe it is connected to time as always. Oh, that makes sense for you. Yeah. Or like, I don't want to waste time trying to find the more affordable option. I just buy the first thing. That makes sense. Another one for me, ironically, or like that doesn't necessarily make sense is I do pay more for the luxury or higher end version. Mm. And I've always been like that, even at times that I couldn't necessarily afford it. Like I bought an Hervé Leger dress when I was like 22 <laughs> and I'm like they like I need to pay tuition and I'm wearing like a $2000 dress to the club. Uh it was it's always been like that for me and that's another reason like it took me so long to buy my house because I obviously could have bought like a condo or a starter home first and like worked my way up, but I was very much of the mindset where I'm like no, I get like top of the line I get like a luxury home or I don't live in a house and same thing like the I've only ever owned luxury cars <laughs> I, <laughs> I went literally carless my entire 20s and then I used to have an Audi and now I have a Mercedes I've never driven like a bad or a lo- I don't want to say bad but like a lower end car like I, I either go luxury or nothing and that's Unusual. That's fair. And I'm the complete opposite. I don't even know the designer or the brand you mentioned earlier. I was like, a what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, like a $500 dress? You're like $2,000. I'm like, yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't think I paid that for it. I think I got it on eBay. I don't remember how much. And then I later resold it on eBay for more than I had bought it for, which is another reason I really like luxury items because they do retain mm-hmm. their value so well. And yeah, that's an area I still enjoy spending, even when it's ridiculous. Like I was looking at Dior earrings and I'm like, these are like $700. I could probably get a knockoff for $30, but I'm like, you know what? Maybe we should just get the $700 earrings. I I admire that in people. My sister's the same way. So anything that I own that is luxury, she bought for me. Oh, I love that. I do. I do like your sister. I've only met her like (laughs) three times, but I feel like a kindred spirit with the way that she runs her life. You both have very similar spending habits, I will say. I, yeah, I I like having those people in my life. I'm not that person. I'm very much practical when it comes, like I would be like, oh, the $30 earrings will be fine. I'll lose them anyways. Yeah. Well, you're very much practical until we have to stand in line for something and someone says, take you to the front for $200 and you'd be like, okay. (laughs) But then I'm like, I'll cover the cost. You paid for that dress. So like, let's split it up here. (laughs) It's a good duo. I love it. I love it. Can't wait till we go to Vegas together. (laughs) Um, Okay. So (laughs) that question is really good. Um, one of the things that he also has people do is write down their rich life bucket list, which is, I was telling Bridget, like, I feel like this is very in line with what she already, her whole method she's come up with, which like one day, because people still ask me when you're going to give all the tea and the spreadsheets and the books and everything. I am going to, it just takes time to like make it nice. Like I don't want to just send people my crappy Google doc. Like I'm getting it revamped in a way that like looks pretty for you to fill out the rich life spreadsheet. Yeah. So anyways, it's kind of similar to that. I like Bridget's method better, but this is the one of the options you can do, which is to write a list of all the things you want to do in your life. This maybe is like a step you can take before Bridget's. Yeah, I feel I feel like you have you have to do this first, like just make a list, like a bucket list of yes. what you want in your life. And then what I just do is to put it into my rich life spreadsheet is to sort it into the years of your life that you're going to have that experience or buy that thing. Yeah. And so, and he has people circle their top five items. This is Ramit's yes. method again? Okay. On their bucket list. And then look, go through the list and look for trends. So like, are there a lot of similar themes when it comes to the things that you want to accomplish in your life? Oh, yeah, that's a good exercise. I feel like five is too few, though. Like, can you see a trend in five items? Well, that's what I was like five different things. That's why I was just saying I like how you have it. You can do them all. 
Like it's possible to do most of them. Or when you start to actually slot them into your life, you realize which ones matter the most. If you don't actually start to put them into like chunks of your life, then it's really hard to visualize whether you're actually going to accomplish that thing. Yeah. Once you have to move things around and fit it around other things that you're doing in your life, because these don't have to just be like trips or purchases for some people, like for me, getting my MBA was a big rich life experience. Like I wanted to get a graduate degree and you have to arrange those. Having a kid was a rich life experience for me that I really wanted. And sometimes like, especially school and kids don't always go together. So you have to organize that around other life events. Yeah, that's that's so true. And he has seven areas of your life to look at, which is very helpful because a lot of us have struggled to come up with like certain things that are way off in the future. Seven areas. Right. Seven? Your, li- your list says eight areas. Yeah. So you said seven. Oh, did I? Twice. <laughs> All right. Well, eight areas of your life <laughs> yeah. to look at. <laughs> um, there's friends and family, health and fitness, hobbies and personal expression, giving, experience and adventure, work, self-improvement, and spirituality. I love that giving's on here. I kind of forgot about that one while we were talking, but that's a huge rich life area for me. That's one where I get a little bit ridiculous now. Yeah. And like when you think about it, like my spreadsheet, I have career, financial, personal, and travel, but I feel like you need to get more specific than that. Yeah. This is a really good list. I've never seen this before. Yeah. And this was free. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thanks, Ramit. (laughs) Thanks, Ramit. You can actually like get his little mini rich life guide for free. Um, There's just like the stuff that I found most valuable is already in this podcast. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And I think that there is like a lot more dive like deep diving that you need to do but yeah it's it's like a really good exercise and a really good starting point for people who are interested in learning how to spend on the things that they love I love this I love see and I love that he put work on there too because for me work is also an area of rich life and then self-improvement and spirituality all of these are good this is a really solid list And I think something that was helpful for me too is like I went back five years and put down all of the big things I accomplished in each of those categories to give myself and a good like idea of what I can actually do in five years. You know what? This is a good tool that relates to that because I was like, how did you go back five years? But then I realized like I filled out the year compass for like eight or nine years and it would all be in there. And the year compass kind of has these similar vibes, like these similar categories. And for those that aren't familiar, did we do a podcast episode on the year compass? I think, yeah, at the beginning of the year, that was our first one. Okay. Yeah. Our goal setting one. See, I can't remember audio (laughs) things, only what I read. Um, But yeah, the year compass is available for free. It's a free year planning tool. It's way better than doing new year's resolutions. And you can just download it at yearcompass.com. And it has you set intentions and reflect and then set goals for the new years in very similar categories to these listed right here. I think they also put a home one in the year compass, which I think is actually missing from this list. I think you should have your home. Yeah, that's true. It's not in there. Nine areas of your rich life. For me, you forgot one. That's a big one too. Like that is so important. And especially because like, I have a hot, like so many renovation goals in my spreadsheet. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Both of us. It's Both wild. Of us are like- <laughs> but the best chunk is that is when it says mortgage free. Cause then I'm like, oh, then that, look at you. Then the, the vacations, like all of your goals just suddenly open to a new world. So I think that's the importance of, of planning your rich life. Yeah. And also that you can do them in different orders. Like that's one of the things I think people have to realize. Cause I think planning, your rich life or your goals, you think that you have to be working a little bit in every category every year. And I don't function like that. And I've never functioned like that. I really think it's okay to prioritize like one or two or three areas for a short period of time, really dig into those, enjoy your rich life, and then you can focus on other ones later. Yeah. Do you know like what trends you see when you are thinking about your rich life? Um, I don't know if I see a lot of expressive 
trends, except like the one thing that I've noticed, and as I was talking about earlier in this conversation, is with like the coffees and books, is that I'm noticing a lot of my rich life is actually around really simple pleasures. Mm-hmm. And that kind of caught me off guard as someone that was like, no, I like luxury and I want this like big life. And I'm like, oh, actually, that's not how you act in real life. Like I just want a really pleasurable day-to-day experience. I think for me, my rich life is just having a peaceful day-to-day experience with small, simple pleasures. And I think that's why I like love spending on food. I think good food is like one of the greatest pleasures in life. And yeah, I just want to have like really nice day-to-day. And I think that's another reason my house is such a great investment for me because I am in it all day. Mm -hmm. And so if I have like good coffee and a good book in my beautiful house, I'm like, this is it. I've made it. My rich life is here. (laughs) I'm loving this awareness from you. I think it's amazing. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I think it's, I'm, I feel like I've learned a lot in this episode about myself just because again, the trend for me is time. Yeah. And like, I'm starting to think that this is really helpful for me in realizing like what my career trajectory looks like because it should be more based in passive income than it is right now. Because you're working, you're working too hard. I'm, work, I'm working 17 jobs, 70 hours a week. No, well, maybe not. No, but I feel like everything has been leading to this like one moment or like a breaking point that feels like it's I'm on the brink of, or I have felt like I've been on the brink of for so long. Where it's Ooh, you're just giving like, me chills now, girl. This, what are you? What are you doing? This is turning into a big announcement podcast. What's happening right now? announcement. I just think like it's very clear to me now that I want a life that I have complete control over and working like a corporate nine to five just doesn't, it just doesn't work. It doesn't. I think, yeah, it's funny that you say this because now I'm so used to that. In my life, I've taken it for granted that that was like completely out of my mind as a rich life, even though I listened to our latest episode about entrepreneurship and in it, I'm like going off on a tangent about how I can't stand anyone being in control of my time. They can't restrict my vacation. I can't be expected to show up at a certain place for certain hours. Like I wanted full control of my time. And now I've had that for so long. I forgot that 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 is truly my rich life is yeah, full control over my time. Yeah. And I think like, it's funny because we recorded that episode last week and it was terrifying. Like you were like, <laughs> it's so risky and like <laughs> exhausting and your relationships will suffer. And then a week later, I'm the most relaxed I've ever been. I have no anxiety today. And I'm like, I want to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> you sh- Yeah, I'm ex- that was funny. And yeah, I went to see Sophie today too, who I mentioned in the episode. And I think I just love seeing women thrive in entrepreneurship and on their journeys and living their true rich life. Sometimes your rich life is working harder. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes it's working slower. (laughs) I, I, I agree. And I think like when you're thinking about those, well, now nine areas of your life, Mm -hmm. there are some good questions you can ask yourself, which is like, how full of a life do you lead in each of those areas? Like what? Does it, does it feel like you have everything you need in that area of your life? Yeah. And if not, which areas do you want to emphasize? Yeah. And then which areas do you not care about at all? Like when you see it on there, it just like doesn't matter to you. Yeah. And that there are small and big things that you can do in each area. It doesn't have to be perfect or full at every time. Like I tend now in my wise old age of my late thirties, I always think of my life now as like a work in progress. So mm. I worry less about getting to a certain end point in any one category or checking goals off my list. I just, I've gotten really happy with just continually iterating and making small progress. And I think that's really rewarding. And I think that's something you can keep in mind when you're going into these areas of your life. Like Maybe a rich life does really just start with a with a coffee every day. <laughs> from yeah. Your favorite cafe. It doesn't have to be like I have unlimited spending on something. Like it can be a small area. Like I have unlimited spending on coffee. And then you can keep moving into bigger and bigger things as your budget or as your understanding allows. Cause you also really have to deepen your understanding of what you want. And I think that's what's coming clearer in this conversation that we're having now is it, it isn't obvious. It isn't actually obvious what you want. No, it's really hard to figure it out. (laughs) 
I, I, think- I feel like it's easier to figure out what you don't want and, and start by eliminating things. Do you feel that way? Yeah. And that's why you should test things out. That's another thing um, that Ramit is really great about. We're, we're giving him so many shouts. We'll shout link outs in him podcast. in all the show notes. Yeah. Because <laughs> his content's really good. But one thing he says, if you're not really sure, is you have to just try things. Like go take $100 and spend it on something and then think like, how did that make me feel? Or like, do I want to spend more and things like that? And I think that's actually a really good exercise for a lot of people. So if you're not sure if an area of your life is important, or if you're spending enough money in it, like just try it out with a 100 bucks. Yeah, that's a really good practice. I'm really curious, like which of these areas do not matter to you, like that you don't care about at all? Um, I don't know if there's any that I don't care about. I think there's ones that are not currently a priority, but have been a priority in the past. I almost don't want to say this one because it sounds kind of terrible to say, but like self-improvement and spirituality are just not something I'm working on right now. Whereas I feel like self-improvement was a huge thing. In my 20s, I was like a diehard personal growth person. And I was reading all these books and doing all these things to work on it. And then now I'm kind of not doing that right now. <laughs> I'm in my self-improvement era, which makes sense because I'm five behind, five years behind you and yeah. <laughs> I'm just doing you five years ago. <laughs> it is, it is stages of life though. I, so I do, that doesn't surprise me. I do think there's some kind of mental switch in your brain after 35 where a lot of your perspectives change. And yeah, for me, I feel like before then self-improvement and personal growth was it, always top of my list. And now I'm kind of like, I just want to sit back and observe life more. Like I'm less aggressive in it. Uh, But one thing I'm working on like super hard now, which I think is taking precedence over all of these is my work. And I've said that since our first episode when we did the goal setting where I'm like, no, this is like a work year. I've kind of chilled the past one to two years and now I'm going to push myself like crazy. So I think that's above and beyond everything. Health and fitness is the one I keep ignoring, but should not. That's <laughs> but the does that, matter. That's a verbal priority, but I never, <laughs> I do so little to it. No uh, action. That, no, yeah. Or like sporadic action. It's really embarrassing. So yeah, that one, yeah, we got to work I don't on know. That. Your health, like you eat very healthy. You take care of yourself. Like you don't drink. You go to bed at reasonable hours. I feel like health is a priority for you, but it's just a built-in priority. I get, yeah, I guess I'm talking more about like working out. That's the part that I don't do. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to do that if you're doing the other part, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like every time I go for a massage, they're like, uh, you should like do some stretches. And I'm like, oh, maybe later. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll get to that. It's yeah. in my, it's in my 40 to 45. <laughs> <laughs> what are the areas that you're not focused on and are currently focused on? Um, I'm not focused on spirituality really at all. It's not except for Lucky Girl. Yeah, like I'm all about Lucky. Uh, my daughter actually at dinner yesterday said everything just works out for us, and I was like, I "You are it. so right, honey." <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so cute, but that one's low for me. Um, and unfortunately, like experience and adventure, although I want it to be a priority, it just always seems to be lower on my priorities because I just don't have the time for it. I feel that too. Like I love the idea of like really elaborate vacations, but they currently don't fit in in my schedule. Like I'm going to try to do some later this year, but I don't all of that's like six months away. So it also feels like out of reach. It's it's one of those ones where I would love to be able to do that, but it's just not a priority. And I also don't feel like I'm missing anything because the top two ones for me are hobbies and personal expression. Like I invest so much time in my hobbies. And yeah, that's so cool. I like that about you because I don't feel like I have many hobbies outside of work. Like I work and then I read books about wealth inequality and that's my main (laughs) hobby. Well, then you will like the solo episode I recorded for Patreon because I go hard on the importance of hobbies. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But yeah, that one is huge for me. It's always been huge for me. And then friends and family like right now are super, super high up there. So how do you spend on friends and family is 
what I, I guess I just bought someone a gift today. So I, I sort of get that. But I'm curious what you're spending on rich life, friends and family looks like. I feel like I've made two trips in the past like two months to go visit my parents oh, yeah. when they're on vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, like little things like that. Well, I guess those are bigger things, but like it is mostly comes down to like trips or events for those people. So like my best friend's getting married this year. So we're going to her bachelorette at the end of March and like things like that. I will prioritize over nearly everything else in my life. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat because I did just buy those plane tickets to go see my parents. And that's why we're not going on any experience and adventure vacations. We're just going on family vacations. (laughs) Yeah. And like those ones actually mean a lot to me. I feel like those ones are good for when your kids are younger. Because like we did a big cousin trip this summer. And that is one that those kids will remember for the rest of their lives. And it was just like an easy trip. Like I feel like it's more about easy travel for family when your kids are little. Oh, yeah, totally. And because grandma always steps in and does childcare, it's nice. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> I I feel like those are the two for me. But I'm really curious. Like, I want people to tell us, like, what, which ones matter. I wish we could hear of other people's ideas about what their rich life looks like. We can just put a question box in the money fields. Yeah, and our Instagram. podcast Instagram. Because yeah. I'm curious how people feel like they're going to, what they're going to change in their life maybe to make their rich life happen. Is there anything you need to change in your life or is it just a matter of how you said last week, like when we were talking about how your money felt like time, you just have to be patient with money. Is that what this is? I just let it evolve. Like I said before, I don't feel the pressure to focus on one area and I let some take precedent over others for a time being. And like I said, this is a year where my work I think is going to be number one. And then whether that's necessary for next year or ongoing after, we'll see, like probably the next two years, but then I also know they'll switch again. And so I just don't try to work on all of them at once. I'm just like, I'm going to pick two or three (laughs) areas and just focus on that. And I think that's a way to do it without, because you don't want your rich life to turn into like a chore. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's not a to-do list. It's supposed to really rejuvenate and invigorate you and bring a lot of joy in the experience of your day-to-day life. I think, I think that's the whole point. Like, and again, I'm so focused on just enjoying day-to-day and being comfortable day-to-day and having a peaceful day-to-day. And that's my focus. And I think that's what your rich life should give you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Money Feels. You can subscribe to our podcast anywhere you listen and be on the lookout for another episode next week. If you like the show, please leave us a review, subscribe to our Patreon for bonus episodes, and come back each week for more conversations about living your best rich life. Follow us on Instagram at Mixed Up Money for Alyssa, at Bridgie Casey for me, and at Money Feels Podcast for the podcast, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.